Just like you can count on Ariana Grande to wear her signature ponytail or sing her occasional yuh, yeah. you can count on us to advocate for sunscreen. Our most popular tip when it comes to skincare is wear sunscreen every single day. Reapply it because all the work you're putting into your skin won't be worth jack if you don't know how to protect it. Today's episode of The Glossary is all about sunscreens. When did it become a regulated product? What do you need to know about reapplication? How much should you actually be using? Are chemical sunscreens bad? Spoiler alert, no. We'll answer all of your burning questions, plus offer up some of our favorite products too. Time for some sun talk. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Ulta Beauty. Thanks to our ultimates, the possibilities are beautiful. I'm Kirby. And I'm Sarah. Welcome Welcome to Los Angeles. Angeles. Every week we break down the most important beauty news and launches, interview your favorite beauty experts, influencers, and celebrity guests, and review our favorite beauty products of the moment as your beauty editor BFFs from the beautiful and great city of Los Angeles. Welcome Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. The history of sunscreen. It's hard to imagine a time without sunscreen. That's because the concept of protecting the skin from UV rays has been utilized for centuries. The ancient Egyptians used rice bran to absorb UV rays. Namibian women slathered their hair and skin in a red paste made of butter, fat, and red ochre. Although it's been said it was used specifically for decoration. India is responsible for the first recorded use of zinc all the way back to 500 BC to treat open wounds. It sat on the skin as a physical barrier from the sun. In Southeast Asia, people used conical hats to keep cool and in the shade, which also helped block direct sunlight to the face. And even Vikings wanted protection from the sun, utilizing a mix of lead, copper, and ash as eyeliner to block the sun's glare. All that to say, protecting our skin from the sun has been around for generations. Luckily, we are living in the age of advancement in the category. We still have a long way to go though. Let's talk about the first known sunscreen product. There are varying counts of who was first, but the general timeline of sunscreen creation goes like this. The first commercial sunscreen is linked to L'Oreal's founder, Eugene Schuler. Schuler was a chemist who developed innovative products like hair color. He introduced his sunscreen, Amber Solaire in 1936, although it's noted that this was not a particularly effective sunscreen product. Then Benjamin Green, a U.S. Air Force member and pharmacist, created a barrier against UV radiation out of necessity for the military called Red Vet Pet or Red Veterinary Petrolatum. However, it was while red and sticky, think Vaseline the color of a Coke can. Not the most enticing to wear, and not to mention, it's stained. But in 1944, Green patented the formulation and mixed it with coconut oil and cocoa butter, perhaps inspired by Namibian women, creating the foundation for the first mass-produced commercial sunscreen that would eventually become Coppertone. Get some dressed, get some dressed, get some dressed. Sundressed means giving your skin comfort tone protection and nourishment all summer long. 
Although Schuller and Green may have been the first, the story goes that Austrian professor Franz Greeter made effective sunscreen his work of genius. Greeter often skied and was a mountain climber, which resulted in severe sunburns. Climbing the Pisbuen Mountain in 1938, he experienced a sunburn so horrific, he decided to take matters into his own hands. Many experiments later, in 1946, he created a sunscreen that was sought after by climbers who hiked the Andes, Himalayas, and Mount Everest, and it is believed to only have had an SPF of 2. He named it Pisbuen Gletscher Cream, and the brand is still on the market today. Greeter wasn't just a flash in the pan. He worked tirelessly to improve sun protection. He's responsible for introducing the idea of SPF, or a sun protection factor, rating in 1962, the standard which we all measure UVB protection of our sunscreens. Yes, just UVB, we'll get to that later. He was also celebrated as the first to create sunscreens that absorbed both UVA and UVB rays and created water-resistant formulas in 1974. This excitement over sun protection led the FDA to impose regulations around SPF in 1978. How SPF is regulated. In August 1978, the FDA proposed its first sunscreen monograph or rulebook. This would serve to establish things like labeling, active ingredients, dosages, indications, and testing to consider an over-the-counter drug as GRACE generally recognized as safe and effective. Sunscreen is an over-the-counter drug, hence why it has many more stipulations and is actually regulated versus most skincare products, which are considered cosmetics. At the time this monograph was introduced, the highest SPF was 15 and the lowest was two. Imagine only using SPF 15 these days. We could never. There were also 21 active ingredients proposed as safe and effective to use, which is important to note. Many of us struggle with finding the perfect sunscreen formula because the ingredients approved for use in the United States aren't as advanced as the ingredients other countries are utilizing. But then again, the US groups sunscreens into the drug category, while most other countries consider them cosmetics. In 1993, SPF 30 was introduced as the proposed maximum amount of sunscreen protection factor in a product. Congrats! SPF 30 is as old as, you guessed it, Ariana Grande. Yeah, yeah. Ingredients like avobenzone and zinc weren't introduced or allowed to be marketed on products until 1996 and 1998, respectively. A final rule in 1999 would establish the active ingredients in a sunscreen that were approved as safe and effective to use at certain concentrations and in conjunction with each other. However, the amount would go from 21 ingredients to 16. Not until 2007 would UVA and UVB protection both be proposed and addressed. SPF 50 plus would also be suggested as the highest amount of protection available. Broad spectrum protection would be approved for use on a label given the product passed a test in 2011. Currently, it has been almost 10 years since this monograph was updated. There hasn't been a new active sunscreen ingredient approved since 1999. There have been moves to change this, like the Sunscreen Innovation Act, but it has not been implemented as the FDA is still attempting to finalize the OTC monograph. 
In 2019, there was another proposed rule to update sunscreen requirements. The too long of it all, though, is that there has been a lot of waiting and more work to be done. We'll save that conversation for another episode of The Glossary. How does sunscreen work? Now we know about the history and regulations surrounding sunscreen, but how does it actually work? There are two types of sunscreens commonly known as mineral sunscreen and chemical sunscreen. And what's most confusing about this is that mineral sunscreens are considered inorganic compounds, while chemical sunscreens are organic compounds. That's because chemical sunscreens contain carbon-based or organic compounds. This highlights why it's easy to be so confused about sunscreen in general, but also why the fuss around chemical sunscreens doesn't make a ton of sense. Mineral sunscreens include ingredients like titanium dioxide and zinc oxide. These sit on top of the skin, deflecting and scattering UV light, but they also absorb UV light. Chemical sunscreens include ingredients like avobenzone, oxybenzone, and octanoxate. They absorb UV rays and convert them to heat. It's a common misconception that both work differently, when in fact they work similarly to each other, both absorbing UV light. Mineral or physical sunscreens also just happen to deflect and scatter too. Sun protection factor is literally how long it takes UVB rays, or UV burning rays if you will, to burn the skin after it's applied properly. The number is generated by taking the amount of time it takes for the skin to redden with sun protection divided by how long it takes without sun protection. A common misconception is that, for example, SPF 30 indicates you can go into the sun for 30 minutes without burning. SPF 30 actually indicates that it will take 30 times longer for your skin to burn than it would without the product. Sunscreen doesn't protect against 100% of UV rays. For example, SPF 30 protects against 97% of UV rays and SPF 50 protects against 98%. This is why reapplication is so important. And so is applying the correct amount. In testing, subjects, yes, humans, subject their body and skin to potential burns for science. The adequate amount of sunscreen to apply is two milligrams per centimeter squared, which is equivalent to 30 milliliters for the body application alone, based on these tests. That means you need to use at least a shot glass for the full body and at least half a teaspoon for the face and neck. It's recommended to apply sunscreen at least 15 minutes before sun exposure, most likely so you won't sweat it off. Okay, so SPF measures UVB rays, but what about UVA? The thing is, UVA wasn't as much of a concern as UVB rays early on. So you might notice that out of the 16 ingredients approved as grace for sun protection, only two, avobenzone and zinc, are approved to block UVA rays. We have a long way to go on this front. In the US, you'll need to check that your product is broad spectrum to ensure it protects not only against UV burning rays, but UVA rays as well. Think of it as UV aging rays. These rays can cause DNA damage and are known for destroying collagen. The horror. They're often sneakier rays because they're present on cloudy days too. They are what tan the skin, which is why they're popular in tanning beds. But just know that there is no safe way to get a tan from UV rays. Damage is being done and it affects all Fitzpatrick scale skin types. To the fairest of fair, to the deepest of deep. That's why it's important not only to avoid sunburns, but to also protect against UVA damage. 
There is no universally recognized means of indicating UVA protection yet, although Japan does utilize the PPD method or persistent pigment darkening test. You'll often find a PA with a 1 to 4 plus signs on the label to indicate this protection, but it isn't something the FDA currently oversees. That said, if your sunscreen says it's broad spectrum, that means it has been tested to protect against both UVA and UVB rays, according to the FDA standards. So be sure to look for broad spectrum on the label. How often should I reapply? And finally, reapplication, the question of the year. You may have been taught that reapplying is only necessary for when you sweat or get wet which would make sense, right? But here's the thing, most sunscreens direct you to reapply every two hours. That's because there are factors that can disrupt how well your SPF works, like touching your face, rubbing against clothes, or even your skin's natural oils. And your sunscreen is only as good as it's applied in the proper way. So reapplication is important. And we have some tips for reapplying over makeup coming up. So that's sunscreen and SPF. We'll be back to answer your most frequently asked sunscreen questions and suggest a few of our favorite products of the moment. All right, so that's sunscreen for you. Did y'all <laughs> learn a little something? I hope so. I feel like I'm always learning as well. And this is the thing, when we're researching these glossary episodes, you find out how much conflicting information there is on the internet. So much. It's truly mind-blowing. And then you have to kind of make an executive decision, like, based on the document or publication or the website that this person actually made themselves. Like, when I was trying to find the actual date that sunscreen came on the market like the first one that was commercially viable it was like 1938 but that was not correct that was when that greeter guy climbed up <laughs> the mountain that's not when he actually made it that's when he got sunburned it's just like a whole thing like good luck to all of the youth who have to like turn in papers not good luck because you have a wealth of knowledge to access but like remember when we were writing papers when we were small and we like just looked up the encyclopedia or like Encarta if Encarta said oh, that Encarta <laughs> if Encarta oh. said that sunscreen was made in 1938 that was it <laughs> yeah remember like MLA formatting or whatever the hell when you had to do yep. citations and then you would get docked if you didn't have it perfect I'm like tell me <laughs> tell me when I'm ever going to use this and it was like the last thing that you did so it was like I was always doing it at like midnight and then the margins would be off and you would just be like just just give me an A if you give me an A minus because of my margin is off F you I told my English teacher once in high school, like, I was so fed up with the margins that I, like, threw my paper. This is, like, typical Kirby in high school. I threw my paper on her desk, and I was like, listen, Jan. I can't remember what her name was. Listen, Jan. Called her by her first name. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Who else in this room spent too much time? I was, like, trying to rally the troops, and people are just like, Kirby, just, we're just trying to survive this high school lifestyle. We're trying to get... 
into college? Would you just sit down? <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand why are we being forced to learn this. Anyways, this is not a citation episode. This is a sunscreen episode. And what would a sunscreen episode be if we didn't deliver on some recommendation? Yep, it's like one of our most asked questions. Always. And this is a Ulta Beauty sponsored episode. Y'all, we got the Ulta account. Hello. This is major milestone for Los Angeles. It really is. We are thrilled that they wanted to partner with us this year. And all of the recommendations that we're going to mention are available at Ulta Beauty, either in-store or online. So as we give these recommendations, we thought it would be helpful to answer questions that we get from y'all. We went through our DMs, we went through the Facebook group, and we're basically answering the most common questions that we receive. So if your question wasn't answered or you, you didn't hear something that you wanted to hear, apologies, but you know, we want to cater to the glams. So that's how we're going to do it. Yes. All right. So jump into the first question. Do you apply sunscreen or moisturizer first and is an spf moisturizer okay good question great question we get asked this a lot like kirby said we also have corrected ourselves for a previous episode where we instructed all of you to apply your chemical and your physical sunscreen differently but here's the bottom line first you apply your moisturizer And then you apply your sunscreen regardless of whether or not it is a chemical or physical formula. Exactly. And I like SPF moisturizers. Yeah. I have been using SPF moisturizers, a variety of them. But you need to make sure that you're applying enough to get the protection that you need. One thing I think that a lot of us have learned in the past year when it comes to sunscreen is that we're not reapplying enough and we're not applying enough to get that coverage and protection that we are aspiring to get <laughs> mic drop. So you need to make sure that you're using about a half a teaspoon for both your face and neck. I know that our girl, Tiara Willis, uh, makeup for women of color on Twitter, really like made the two finger rule, taking your middle finger and your index finger and putting like a big old line of sunscreen on both. She made that popular, and that's like a good way to think about it. I know that some dermatologists say like a good fat nickel size. Mm -hmm. For me, I just do the two fingers and then rub it in my hands and then glob it all over my face. And I think in a previous episode, I even said like it felt like too much Yep. when I started doing it the right way. Totally. (laughs) But you get used to it. You do get used to it. And you bring it down. You bring it down to your neck, yes. And you use the excess on your hands. Mm-hmm. And you're good to go. But I mean, like Kirby said, make sure you are applying the majority of that onto your face and your neck. Yes. And I have this half a teaspoon, which is what they say, half a teaspoon to use for both face and neck. And it doesn't look like a lot, but then when you put it on, you're like, okay, here we go. Especially if it's not like a super sheer one. One that is a little bit on the greasier side when, you know, one is trying out different sunscreen formulas. You're like, this is absolutely too much. I know. The thing is, is I think that because it's the last step, we're conditioned to want to rush through it and just 
slap it on and go. But it's really the part we should be focusing the most on. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to rush through anything, like rush through the beginning of your skincare and then really take the time to make sure you're applying the sunscreen properly. Yes. All of that to say is find a formula that you really like because you're going to need to be using a lot of it and you're going to need to be wearing it every day. So Kirby, what is your current favorite face sunscreen? Okay, so I actually have been using a variety, but there's one that I really want to highlight because of the price point. Sunscreen is notoriously expensive because it's expensive to make. And then oftentimes you find a formula you love and then you're like, holy crap, this is expensive. And first tried this because my dermatologist, Dr. Samolitis, gave me a sample and I was totally impressed. It's CeraVe's Hydrating Sunscreen Face Sheer Tint SPF they make claims on the bottle that say it's lightweight and non-greasy and that it blends seamlessly into the skin. So it does have this sheer tint and the tint is on the fairer side and I do not want to speak for any black or brown people listening to this podcast because Lord knows I'm a white girl. But they do have this graphic on Ulta Beauty's website And it looks a little dark on the fair-skinned person. It looks like a perfect match for the medium-toned person. And then it definitely looks like way, way lighter than the deep-toned person. But it looks to apparently blend in with all tones. For me personally, I wear it under makeup a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I felt like it did not give me a white cast. It really just kind of evened out my skin tone and then when I put on my makeup I didn't feel like I had this like grayish ashy look to my skin like some uh, mineral sunscreens can but I know a lot of people are fans of CeraVe because of the price point and um, this is a mineral sunscreen so if that's something that you are really looking for I wanted to shout it out again it's oil-free fragrance-free oxybenzone free which We'll touch on later when it comes to like reef safe stuff. But again, if that's something that you're concerned about and it's sheer, it gives you a nice healthy glow, but you don't look like you're drenched in something afterwards. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why I keep using it because I really just like the finish. Yeah, that's a great pick. I am going to remember that. That's a good one. Okay, what's yours? Mine is not technically wallet friendly. However, it is a good one. Kirby, have you tried Kate Somerville's new Daily Deflector Mineral Sunscreen? Yes, I have. Okay, so I have been testing this one out, and I actually really like it. We had Kate Somerville on the podcast. No surprise here that we love all of her products. I was a little skeptical at first to try the this mineral sunscreen, but... I actually really like how it feels on my skin and how it looks. So, and of course, the fact that it is a broad spectrum sunscreen, it's SPF 40, it's PA++++, which we will get into in a moment what that actually means. It's more of like a creamy formula. It absorbs quickly. It does not have a fragrance, which I appreciate when I'm using like a face sunscreen or a sunscreen on my face. I will say, I feel like it does not leave a white cast. 
it does take like a minute. Like when you, you know, apply it onto your skin, it sort of has like a little bit of a white cast, but then it disappears. I don't know if this is going to be the best option for any of like our black listeners. If you have deeper skin tone, I don't know. I'm actually curious. I would love to know if any of our listeners have tried this before and if they think it's sheer. But personally for me, I really like this formula. It is $50, so a little bit of a spend, but I think it looks beautiful under makeup. It works on my dry skin. It also technically protects from blue light as well, if that is something that you believe in. So if you are just, you know, looking for sunscreen that you like, like I said, that you'll wear every day, that has all of the protection that you need, that is a mineral sunscreen, I would suggest checking this one out. Okay, next question. What is the biggest difference between chemical and physical sunscreen? Oh my gosh. Okay, so we tried to explain this a little bit and sunscreen is confusing because you get taught one thing and then something happens and you learn that, oh, everything I thought was true is false. I literally have written in the doc. This is confusing. Very confusing. It is. Technically, both work in the same way. Sarah and I were both taught that physical sunscreens or mineral sunscreens, zinc and titanium dioxide, deflect. Mm -hmm. Like they are a physical block of the sunscreen. That's how it protects your skin. And that chemical absorbs the UV rays. It turns out that both actually absorb the UV. And if you have a physical screen, it does deflect some UV rays, but that's not its main form of protection. So too long, didn't listen. They both kind of act the same. When it comes down to how they wear, it's really personal preference. It's personal preference on ingredients. It's personal preference on how it feels and how it looks. So chemical sunscreens may have a lighter texture. In my experience, I feel like they can be like more serum-y mm-hmm. and they can be more lightweight, more like a water cream almost. And I feel like if you have deeper skin tones chemical sunscreens are better because they don't leave a white cast yes exactly the white cast is also like the big differentiator here because zinc and titanium dioxide they do have that thick oftentimes like chalky white situation going on although there are formulas that have been perfected to eradicate that we know this Another differentiator is avobenzone is a chemical filter and it's found in many broad spectrum sunscreens that are marketed as chemical sunscreens. But avobenzone can be irritating to the skin. It's also a known allergen. So that's why so many people struggle with sunscreen because they're like, I don't want the white cast of the physical sunscreen. So I'm going to use a chemical sunscreen. And then they use a chemical sunscreen and it has avobenzone in it. And then their skin is irritated or, you know, gets raised bumps or whatever. And they're all like on the struggle bus. And unfortunately, the United States doesn't have that many UVA Mm -hmm. blockers that have been approved. There's some really sophisticated chemical UV filters that other countries have been utilizing, which is awesome. That's why so many people buy from overseas. Mm -hmm. The FDA regulates, like we mentioned, sunscreen. So that's why it can kind of be a struggle. It's literally like finding your soulmate, you know, like, okay. It is. 
Are we committing to this? Like, do we have things in common? Do you make me feel good? Am I gonna get surprised and stabbed in the back by this sunscreen? You know, I don't know. <laughs> wow. I have commitment issues, clearly. This is 1000% true, which is why when you find one that you love and like checks all those boxes, you're like, I'm never leaving you. I'm yes. using you every day. I'm taking you with me wherever I go. Please do not discontinue the formula, aka do not die. Do not die. Do not die. So in the first question, we featured two of our favorite physical slash mineral sunscreens. And now we have two of our favorite broad spectrum chemical sunscreens. I mean, chemical sunscreens are never marketed as chemical because- Everyone's terrified of chemicals for whatever the hell reason. So we don't want people to be scared of chemicals here. But they are called chemical sunscreens. So Sarah, what is your favorite at the moment? All right, Kirby, this is a tried and true sunscreen that I have been using for years. They have, you know, since updated the formula since the days of me using it in high school, but I continue to love it. It is the Shiseido Ultimate Sun Protector Lotion SPF 50 Sunscreen. It is the iconic blue bottle with the little like orangey yellow tip. I have been using this forever, like I said. I use this all over my body. I also use it on my face too. This is like my go-to for when I'm like going to the beach, which is like not very often. <laughs> but if I, you know, if I'm going to the beach, if I'm going like hiking, this was my go-to when I was like running a lot outside. The cool thing about this sunscreen, especially now with like the updated formula, is that it works even better as you sweat and get wet. The product becomes even more effective. So cool. What does that mean? Is that true? It's their wet force technology. I believe in whatever technology they're doing over at the Shiseido Labs. And okay. they have heat force technology. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm reading about it. Protective, I have to be sus. No, I'm glad you are. There's regulation that we have to abide by here. Protective veil that becomes more effective in heat, water, and sweat. I remember when this came out. This, I mean, obviously this is like their big selling point. I don't know what mm -hmm. the technology is, but I will say I use it in a lot of my physical activities, outdoor activities, and I've never burned. I love the formula. It's an expensive sunscreen, and I think a lot of that has to do with not just this fancy technology, but because it feels like a skincare sunscreen. Like, yes. it, you know what I mean? Like, it just goes on really beautifully. It's like very fluid. It does have a fragrance. So if that is not something that you are a fan of, I would not recommend this product, but I don't mind it. I actually like how it smells. It's just one that I love and I know I can rely on. So I'm reading, it says the heat force technology is activated on hot days after the formula is applied to the skin. To activate the wet force technology, expose the applied area to water or perspiration for 30 minutes. Listen. I mean, do you not feel like a freaking Marvel superhero with this sunscreen? Activate, activate. So I really like this sunscreen too. I'm trying to like make sure I say it properly. Shiseido. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. See, I thought I had been saying it that way, but apparently I've been saying Shoshado. Which you are literally like one of a million people who cannot say it for whatever reason. Just like I can't say hydroquinone. Wow, Quee, here we go. Back. Quee <laughs> is back. I wanted to mention for Shoshado. There we go. There we go. Shoshado. That, see, uh, this is a pronunciation podcast. Uh, they just did a collab with Tori Birch. Yes. And let me tell you a story this is a really cute sunscreen so if you want to feel cute using it i highly recommend just getting the tory birch it's the same formula correct just with the cute tory birch flower branding yes it's adorable it's adorable and it definitely is not a inexpensive sunscreen by any means shiseido we know this is just one of those luxe brands but like sarah said it doesn't feel like a sunscreen it feels like sin skincare and i'm looking if y'all have honey it says you can earn Ooh. at least $6 in honey gold. I love when honey. You, uh, activate this on this Tory Burch sunscreen. So. Activate yourselves, guys. That's the <laughs> lesson. That is the lesson of the day. Okay, so my fave, I'm not going to go too hard into this because I've talked about it before. It is Dermalogica Prisma Protect SPF 30. I personally think this is the best sunscreen that they have. I really like the package, first of all. I don't know why I just gravitate towards it. little holographic moment. It's an SPF 30. And again, this feels like this is actually a little bit heavier than most sunscreen moisturizers that I have tried. But it doesn't feel so rich that I don't want to wear it. Like I truly just put this on. It is marketed as an SPF moisturizer. It says light activated multitasking moisturizer provides broad spectrum defense while preventing future signs of skin damage. I really don't need to say anything else about it. It is $65. So like you better love it if you're buying it because that is expensive, right? But it has no cast and it also has like green tea in it, which is a great antioxidant. I want an antioxidant not only with my sunscreen, but in my moisturizer. And it makes my skin feel really hydrated too when I use it. Sometimes with sunscreens, especially when they're just sunscreens, if you put them on after a while, you can feel like your skin is just, I almost feel like it's dehydrating. Yep, totally. I'm touching my forehead right now as I say this. I'm like, what the hell? But this, I don't have that problem. So Dermalogica Prisma Protect, one of my all-time faves. I'm a huge fan of it and... I mean, I stand. I've talked about it before on the pod. I love that one too. I honestly was going to mention it, but you had already picked it. So great. Okay. How much body sunscreen should you be wearing? I remember when I first learned this and I was like, damn, that seems like a lot. All right, so the answer is one shot glass full from head to toe. Cheers to the freaking weekend. I'll cheers to that. <laughs> Do you know that Rihanna song where she samples Avril? Hey, yeah, hey, yeah. Every time yes. I hear that, every time I think of shots, I think of that That's song. That's so funny. <laughs> That is not my favorite Rihanna song. I love that song. I get hyped to that song. So now when you think of body sunscreen, you're going to think of Rihanna as she says her name. We can't play the song. We can't afford to. 
We can't. We don't have the license, but we can imitate her in Avril. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, I'm the Riri and you're the Avril. Great. No. Love to see it. Yep, yep. Okay, you get to be Avril. Bye. Sorry about it. All right, so that being said, I know a shot glass is a lot. I would not take a shot glass and like be think think about sticking your finger in the shot glass trying to get all that out. That's a that's a mess. That, nobody has time for that. You better be going ham. Like you're gonna squirt a bunch of times. Yep. Squeeze <laughs> squeeze it out as much as you can. Give yourself a sensual massage when you do it. So I think a brand that we have mentioned on this podcast but doesn't get enough love is Everyday Humans. Mm-hmm. This was the early aughts of Los Angeles Yeah, when we started talking. It was like when they first launched. And wasn't it a different name? It was different branding. Oh, different branding. Okay. So I really like Everyday Human's Resting Beach Face. Mm. They make a sunscreen serum, which is awesome. But their Oh My Bod SPF 50 is also really great. Lovely. It's $18. So there are plenty of creamy sunscreens that I like to rub all over my body but $18 you can't no can't go wrong you can't beat it it's broad spectrum protection it does feel like a body lotion Mm -hmm. so when you're rubbing it on you kind of get this glow to it Um, it's hydrating and then it dries matte I love that I love that formula and it has cucumber green tea and hyaluronic acid bam I will see your $18 and I will not raise you because this sunscreen's only fifty ninety nine. What? <laughs> um, I love sunbum. Who doesn't love sunbum? I love sunbum. It like truly reminds me of summer. I know that some people don't like the scent of sunscreen. I love sunbum's coconutty fragrance. Oh yeah, it makes me feel. I want to smell like a beach. Exactly, exactly. So I am recommending, I mean, I love all of Sunbum's products and I actually love all of their baby sunscreen products. I use it on Zoe. It does not irritate her little sensitive skin. But this one is the the Sunbum sunscreen lotion, well, braces for you. This is really like a tongue twister. Sunbum, (laughs) Sunbum, Sunbum. Sunbum. Sunbum Sunscreen Lotion SPF 50. Buy it at Ulta. It is a moisturizing sunscreen, protects you from UVA, UVB. All Sunbum sunscreens are tested, approved, and recommended by the Skin Cancer Foundation. Good enough for me. So I love this for my body. I also love Kirby the Face Mist. Have you used their face mist before? Ooh, no, but... It's good that it has a pump versus an aerosol, which we'll we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. I smell like a pina colada over here. Cue if you like pina coladas. I truly wish we had all the money, endless amounts of cash flow, so we could just insert songs like make this a radio show. What if we just had like beauty chat, and then okay, now we're gonna kick it over to uh, the latest from Harry Styles. Would be so fun. It would be fun. Okay. Moving on. Next question. Oh, my God. I don't... Why did we agree to even answer this? This this is one of those questions that I can consume every piece of literature on the internet about and still not fully comprehend. 
Okay, so the question is, what does PA++++ mean on a label? Okay, I'm going to attempt to answer. So PA is based on the PPD test, which is the Persistent Pigmentation Darkening Test. So PA stands for Protection Grade for UVA, while SPF measures for UVB protection, PA only measures for UVA protection. Japan, they were responsible for developing this system, which is why a lot of European sunscreens, instead of having a PA system, they'll just say broad spectrum, okay. which works because that says that, you know, they're protecting from UVA and UVB. But in Japan, they established this system because they wanted consumers to know the level of protection provided by sunscreen for UVA. So the pluses indicate the hierarchy of protection available. So it's very intuitive, obviously. The more pluses, the higher the protection. So PA plus means you have some UVA protection. It'll range up to PA plus, 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 which means you are covered on the UVA front. So how does this correlate to the PPD test? So PA plus means that you have a PPD between two and four, and then it goes PA++, PPD between four and eight, and then the highest is PA++++, that's four pluses. You have a PPD of 16 or higher. So all of this to say, if your product, let's say, for example, has a PPD of two, which means it's a PA+, it takes twice as long for your skin to tan when protected versus how long it would take while unprotected. So how I am understanding this is PA plus and the PPD system has to do with like skin tanning, skin darkening, whereas SPF is burning and like your skin turning red. So think of PA talking about your skin getting darker and then SPF as your skin burning and getting redder. And when I used to work at a tanning salon when I was a teenager, God help me, I had to do these like sun certifications, which is absolutely wild that they like basically taught us about how UV rays work. But like I was literally working in like cancer beds essentially. Totally. And UVA, UV aging, UVA, and UVB, UV burning. So... If I'm looking at this Murad product right here, it's called the Perfecting Day Cream, Broad Spectrum, SPF 30, and then it has a PA++++. That means it has high UVA protection, and it also has that burning protection as well. So that means it'll take eight times as long for your skin to tan when you're wearing it versus not wearing it. So basically, I think you should just look for a sunscreen that either says it's broad spectrum. If it does have a PA plus, like, you know, the more pluses, the better. But PA plus is fine, too. Just know that you're going to have to reapply more. The PA system is not something that's currently regulated here in the United States. It's a Japan thing. Yes, and you'll find it on a lot of Korean sunscreens, Asian sunscreens in general. And then, like I said, 
and like you just said, Kirby, a lot of the sunscreens in the States will just say broad spectrum. A lot of the sunscreens in Europe will say broad spectrum. But for example, Kate Somerville has the PA++++ on on her sunscreen. Um, Just so everyone knows, you're protected. And I really, really do like this Murad sunscreen. Again, it's the Perfecting Day Cream Broad Spectrum SPF 30 PA++++. It's a chemical sunscreen, but... I have been using it interchangeably with Sarah V and Resting Beach Face, and I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed using it. Murad makes great products, so of course I love it. Okay, thank you for explaining that because I truly was just like, ma'am. I mean, I tried. I tried my best. This is a Kirby question. Do sunless tanners protect you from the sun? No. I'm surprised at how common this question is. So I think maybe people think by putting something on your skin, it deflects the rays or absorbs them in some way. DHA is the active ingredient in all of your self-tanning products. And DHA is not known to absorb or deflect any type of UV light. So no, you still have to wear sunscreen. The only benefit to using sunless tanner is that, well, there's two. You're going to look tan. And you're not going to have to go into the sun to look tan. It's the only way I tan my skin. And uh, it's really just for the visual of getting that like golden glow. And I have noticed that a lot of my friends that are even deeper skin tones have come to me like, I'm thinking about self-tanning. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Okay, like you are wanting to even out your skin tone. You want like a beachy glow without going to the beach. So I've loved hearing that. I have 101,000 recommendations for sunless tanning products but one that I'm loving right now and have been for the last few months probably the last six months is the new kit from Saint-Tropez. Ashley Graham is their new brand ambassador and they made the glow kit with her. It's $55 and unlike Saint-Tropez's tanning mousse that they have in the pump this one is in an aerosol So when it comes out, it's not as runny. It really is this like creamy foam consistency. It has a nice light scent and I really love the olive complexion that it gives me. I go between being like pink undertone and a neutral undertone, but I always, with my makeup and my tanning, I always want to be more on the green side versus pink. Mm -hmm. Like I want the warmer tones. So I really love that olive color that it gives me. And yeah, so please wear your sunscreen, even if you are self-tanning. Another confusing question. Yes. What does reef safe mean? So reef safe is not a regulated term. This is a term similar to clean or non-toxic that does not have a standard associated with it. But if it's something that you're like, listen, I would rather be safe than sorry then just look for products that are made without oxybenzone and octanoxate. That's <laughs> what? You you nailed it. Good job. I almost said, <clears throat> I don't know what I thought. I almost said something incorrect. But those are the two ingredients that claims have been made that they bleach coral reefs. I also think that sometimes the term safe gets people thinking, Okay, so is it damaging to me as well? Am I doing... And that's not what's happening here. This is the last question. And I think this is actually the most asked question because we are a beauty podcast. 
and available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, Kirby and Sarah. Love the pod. It's been a bright spot through the pandemic. My question for you guys is, what are your favorite ways to reapply sunscreen throughout the day after getting yourselves made up? Can't wait to hear from you. Thanks. What's the best way to reapply sunscreen over makeup? Woo! Okay. So, Sarah, can we have a real talk about this? Because growing up and even we've been doing this for a decade, every expert in the world had told me, yeah, reapply your sunscreen if you sweat or if you get in the water. Like, that's what reapplication is for. But then again, you look at the back of a sunscreen product and it's like reapply every two hours. But I was under the impression that was if your sunscreen was disrupted. And we have more information now about how sunscreen works thanks to some incredible experts online. I highly recommend following Michelle Wong of Lab Muffin. She's really great at explaining these things. And we're actually going to link a graphic to how she reapplies sunscreen on our website. So y'all can check that out. But what you need to know is that it is vital that you reapply your sunscreen. Even if you're not sweating, even if you're not in the water, it is important. And that's because sunscreens can be brushed off by like, like what if you touch your face like I just did? Exactly. Also, you know, when sunscreen is applied properly, the way it works is that it creates this film on the skin that can be broken up by things like sweat and your skin's natural oils. Yeah. Like, hello. Hello. We all have it. We all have sebum and stuff. Hello. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like common sense, but really this was enlightening to me to figure out. Absolutely. I mean, I think about it in like, how often do you apply your, your, you know, lip balm or your lipstick like constantly all the time? Or like even powder. Think about it. Think about powdering your face. Like you put on your foundation and you get a little shiny. I mean, the point being made is that it can be affected even without you like dunking your head underwater or like <laughs> working out, right? You do need to reapply if your skin is exposed to the sun. And remember, exposure means commute. Mm-hmm. It means walking outside for whatever reason, like you need to reapply. So if you do have on makeup, and this is the hardest part of reapplication, there are two ways that seem to be like the best offering here. First is a spray. Mm-hmm. And Sarah had her sun bum face mist. What SPF is that? 45. Ooh, okay, great. So you still need a quarter of a teaspoon of the spray to make sure you get the protection you need for a reapplication on your face and neck. Which, okay, so I'm holding up a half a teaspoon. A quarter teaspoon, I mean, that's still a lot, especially for a spray. And I was watching this video from Lab Muffin, and she's literally like spraying (laughs) these sunscreens into her measuring spoon. And it's a lot. It's a lot. So you may need more of this spray than you even think you do. This is not a situation where you're spraying it like a face mist and like moving on. Like if you actually want the reapplication to work, you've got to kind of drench your face. You do. And you also have to be sure to like rub it into your skin or at least like if you're wearing it, press yeah, it if in. you're wearing it over makeup, you don't want to ruin your makeup, press it into your skin. It's the same rule applies with um, spray body sunscreen. You can't just like mm-hmm. spray and then 
like, okay, I'm good. Like you have to rub it into your skin. Yeah, this is not like you're spraying Tom Ford and rolling <laughs> and walking through and doing a little waft of yeah. it. Like you literally have to douse yourself and rub it in. And another note about sunscreen sprays for the face is that apparently pumps, like the sunburn one, is way better than aerosol. Oh. Because there are things with aerosol apparently in terms of like... Like breaks up of the sunscreen, like the formula, it doesn't work as well? Yeah, something about the way it applies out of the aerosol can, which I found to be interesting. So just note that. And also when you use this on your face, of course, be careful not to inhale it or get it in your eyeballs. Pinch my nose, actually. Yeah. And then... The other one that a lot of people say is like maybe the better bet is take your cream Mm -hmm. sunscreen that you love, your Kate Somerville, your Murad, whatever. Use a cushion puff or a Juno sponge or just a hard, Mm -hmm. non-wet sponge. Non-absorbent sponge. And then take your half a teaspoon of sunscreen and then pat it into the skin on top of your makeup if needed. And then that way you kind of are able to get in the crevices. You're able to get as close to your eye as you need to without kind of messing up your makeup. Mm -hmm. But then again, I also think it's important to note, like, if you're not getting any sun exposure at all, you're fine. Even if you're getting some sun exposure and you don't want to do this, like, wear a hat. Right. Stay in the shade. Exactly. Things like that. But if you are getting sun exposure, you need to reapply. Mic drop. Mic drop. And then I guess just one last thing before we go, y'all. We know that there are powder sunscreens, but I personally was thinking about this. I don't think you can apply enough powder sunscreen on your face for the application to even make sense. Or also, like, do you really want to look that dry? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, how much powder do you have to apply? It would be, like, so caked on. Totally. So I think just save yourself reapply with your sponge or use the spray but make sure that you are pumping a lot onto your face like get the required amount rather and let's not forget to our scalps oh yeah you could powder your scalp maybe if you already have it and you now don't feel like using it on your face use it on your scalp don't neglect the tops of your ears how do you apply it on your eyes Kirby my eyelids I just rub my face cream like all up in my eyelids I know that's like not probably recommended because it's like keep away from eyes, but just like rub it up here. I'm like, I need my eyelids to look taut. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the glossary. Special thanks to Ulta Beauty for sponsoring this episode. Again, every product we mentioned will not only be available on our website, but it's available for purchase at Ulta.com and in Ulta Beauty stores, uh, depending on the product and the brand. So double check online. And then all of the links to the information that we used in the first part of the podcast and uh, to answer the questions that y'all wrote us. Our bibliography, if you will. Our bibliography. (laughs) Wow, how it all comes back. We have our citations, not in MLA format, (laughs) and we are ready to go on glossangelespod.com. And we uh, will talk to you on Friday. 